You're listening to the Mike Hosking Breakfast Podcast from Newstalk ZB. Tuesday morning, the Prime Minister is with us, Chris Hipkins. Good morning to you. Good morning, Mike. Let me play you something you said to me a couple of weeks ago. Listen to this. I don't think that lobbyists necessarily get preferred access. Um, I don't think they necessarily get access that other members of the public can't get. Clearly that wasn't true. No, I mean, I went through all of this yesterday. Um, swipe card access doesn't guarantee you a meeting with anybody. It gets you through the front door without having to go through security. The change that I recommended to the Speaker yesterday was that we should remove uh, the swipe card access from lobbyists because it creates a perception of, a pr- of preferred access, which I think, um, you know, th- there's some anxiety about. I think fair enough. Um, but, it, you know, the, both of the comments are compatible. But I think what we're dealing with here is a perception issue, and I think that it's a real one. So you're just changing policy based on perception? Uh, no, I think there's a, a legitimate concerns that have been raised about the extent of uh, the lobbying industry's access to members of parliament um, and influence over decision making. I think that the system can be improved, um, and so I've you know I've had a look at it. I said two weeks ago that I was going to have a look at it. I've had a look at it. I've identified some improvements that can be made quite quickly, um, and I've indicated that I think we need to do a bit of a review to look at what other improvements can be made in the medium to longer term. But are the genuine concerns based on anything other than perception? Um. There's obviously been a lot of commentary about it, and yeah, perception is important. You know, people. Well, see, I I perceive I pay too much tax. Are you going to change that now? Uh, People are going to always have a disagreement on issues around tax, but the perception that people, that our democracy is robust, that it operates without corruption or undue influence, those are incredibly important. They're the lifeblood of democracy. There is more change, there is more broad political support for change now than there ever has been before. I, I supported changes around lobbying or proposed changes around lobbying back in 2012. At the end of the day, it was vetoed by the then government. Uh, The national opposition are now indicating that they do think that there is room for reform here. So now that there is a bit more political consensus on it, I think we should take that opportunity. We had a lobbyist on just after 7 o'clock this morning who said there is absolutely no question they get more access than any member of the public and by a mile. Is she wrong? Well, I think improved transparency, which is what I'm pushing for, will actually help the public to identify that. Um, I, I, you know, I, it's 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 not always visible, and so making the lobbying activity more visible will actually allow anyone to judge for themselves um, whether lobbyists are getting more access or not. Uh, there's a survey from your Polytech, the centralised Polytech, that emerged. A third of staff saw no future for it vast majority surveyed would not recommend working there to family or friends. Does that disappoint you? I think it reflects the fact that they're going through a major reform program and they've been hit by the double whammy, I guess, of a major reform program and the fact that enrolments are significantly down this year uh, because of the strong labour market. We know that that happens when the labour market's buoyant, when there's good, well-paid employment, people go straight into work rather than going to do polytech courses. It's actually one of the reasons we've embarked on the reform program is that the polytechs were struggling to be sustainable. Uh, In fact, they weren't sustainable even before the reform program. But yeah, I'm concerned, I think, you know, people should be able to go to work and feel that they're valued and feel that they're making a contribution. And clearly, um, Tapuking has got some work ahead of it in that regard. It may have looked okay on a whiteboard, but in practice, it looked like a half baked cake it was. Rob Campbell at a meeting on Monday night about Tefata Aura. What's gone wrong there? Um, look, he has a, a series of views. Um, up until a Is few he weeks wrong? Ago, he was, well, up until a few weeks ago, he was the person overseeing the reform program that he's now providing a commentary on. Um, but 
you know, there's certainly work, like similarly to the previous answer, it's a major reform program. There's still a lot of work ahead of them. When does the work end and the action arrive? Well, it's a combination of both. If you look in the health system, there are already changes that are happening. So we're moving teams around the country to do elective surgeries in a way that they that wasn't happening under the old health system. And so, at a more local level, on a, you know, in terms of individual patients, that's already having an impact. So you're suggesting and the health system is delivering more productively than it was prior to the reforms? I'm not saying that it's all going to happen overnight, Mike. But I'm saying are you saying currently it is? In some areas, uh, there are examples of where the health system is operating in a more coordinated and therefore a more productive way. I'm not saying that which area specifically we've realised all of the game. Well, as I just mentioned, in the case of electives, we've already seen examples of teams of elective what just general elective surgery. Yeah, that we've are these the people on the four month waiting list waiting for elective surgery on the four month waiting list that has blown out to sixty seven thousand people. Yeah, so one of the things that that list has got worse. But one of the things the health system is working on, COVID's been a big contributing factor to the health system. Yeah, I know all of that, but you've just told me that that's improving. It's not improving. It's going backwards. It's up to 67,000 and growing. Well, one of the things that the new system can do, um, if you take a particular geographic location where they don't have specialist skills available, they can actually move teams around the country, which is what they're doing, in order to clear some of those backlogs. But they're not being cleared, though. That's the point. Winter, we often you can't argue with the numbers, Chris. Program. It's, it's 67,000 and growing. You can move people around the country till you're blue in the face. If the number's going up, the number's going up. Well, and as you have just said yourself, you've just admitted yourself, the, the disruption that the health system has experienced in the last three years has been one of the major contributors to that. You'll see that pattern everywhere else around the world in the health systems, where because of the disruption that COVID-19 has caused... But Chris, you started off by telling us that things were improving in this specific area, and all I pointed out to you is they're not improving, they're going backwards. I'm saying that... (laughs) Well, my question was very simple. Which specific area of the health system is improving as a result of your centralisation programme? As I've indicated, it's early days, but there are green shoots to suggest that, you know... Where are the green shoots? ...are making progress. Well, I've just mentioned one of them. But you're wrong on that one. Can you give me one where you're accurate on? Well, the fact that it hasn't hasn't cleared the backlog yet doesn't mean it's not going. No, no. What I said was it's not only not clearing the backlog, the backlog is growing. It's getting worse. It's going backwards. And as I've indicated, there are a whole lot of things that are contributing to that. Yeah, I know that, but what... What I asked was very simply, can you name a single piece of the health sector that is improving as a direct result of your centralisation? The example you gave me is incorrect. Um, We're working through a process at the moment, to to your broader question, we're working through a process at the moment of identifying the key indicators that we do want to see uh, the health system particularly focused on shifting in this next immediate period. So Um, is is an answer to the question, you can't name a single thing about the health sector that's improved as a result of your centralisation as we sit here speaking this morning? Well, it's it's still very early days, Mike. 5,000 nurses have registered to go work in Australia from New Zealand. Does that bother you? Well, those are numbers from Australia. Yes, the idea that we've we've got any exodus of talent from New Zealand to Australia does concern me. We've been working hard on making sure that we're improving the pay and conditions of nurses in New Zealand so that they will stay in New Zealand. And that's that's really been my focus as Prime Minister and as Minister prior to that. And it's the focus of the government. And how many nurses have we got coming into the country as a result of our immigration programme and looking to hire more nurses? Versus Australia's so 5,000. We've seen a reasonable number, but I haven't got that number. Would it be hundreds? Me, so happy, happy to get that number for you. Would I it be hundreds? Last time I talked to oh, Andrew Little about it, when he, he said it was thousands and they were coming by the flotilla. Are they? 
whatever indicated Michael, if I said I haven't got a number, then I'm not going to make one up. So I don't have the number. Okay. Was there a mini reshuffle coming yesterday? Is there a mini reshuffle coming in some way, shape or form in the coming days or not? Uh, well, clearly, I have to reallocate Stuart Nash's portfolios, and so I'm working through that process. I haven't made final decisions on that at this point. When will that be? This week? Next week? Uh, certainly within the next week or so, yeah. Okay. When's McAnulty back on Three Waters? Uh, within the next month, I would think. We've just got to, we're working through a process on that at the moment. Did you read the piece in the Herald over the weekend of the cost of consultants for Three Waters? Uh, no, I can't recall having read that, but um, I'm certainly aware that um, consultants have been engaged to do some of that work. It's a fantastic amount of money. When the public service has increased by such a large amount, why is it still necessary to have so many consultants? I think when you're undertaking significant reform programs, which often falls outside the business as usual, the day-to-day work of the public service, it is not unusual to bring in people to do that work. If you look at Auckland Council, for example, when the last government created the Auckland Council, there were a lot of consultants engaged to do that work as well. $3,500 a day for a consultant, is that fair? Uh, look, I, I, I've indicated previously and I continue to um, hold this view that I prefer to see more of the work where possible done in the house. Yeah, but it's not where you are doing. That's the point. Where you are doing significant You've employed 14,000 more people. 14,000 more people in the public service and yet you're still paying $3,500 a day for consultants. Many of those additional roles in the public service are frontline work roles. So we're talking about extra correction staff to run our prisons. We're talking about extra, um, we're talking about extra um, teacher aides who are employed by the Ministry of Education to support children with special learning needs, or extra speech and language therapists, and so on. These are often frontline roles that we're talking about. Do you think you're wasting Case- our money? Case workers with Ministry of Social Development and Employment, so that they're getting people off benefit and into work, and they've had record success in doing that in recent times. So. I think we have to look beyond the headline number to see what are these people actually doing. Um, so $3,500 is acceptable or not acceptable for a day's wage? It depends on the circumstances. Well, the circumstances were Ernst & Young were paid a total of $9 million to help you with three waters at $3,500 a day. Is that acceptable or not acceptable? Um, like I said, I'd pref- I've, I've always said I'd prefer less use of consultants. Appreciate your time. Uh, Chris Hipkins, Prime Minister, for another week. For more from the Mike Hosking Breakfast, listen live to News Talk ZB from 6am weekdays or follow the podcast on iHeartRadio.